Chapter Seventeen of The Well at the World's End, Book Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Well at the World's End, Book Four, by William Morris. Chapter Seventeen They Fall In with That Hermit. So much had they tarried over this greeting and feasting that though they had hoped to come to the hermit's house that night, he of whom that folk had told them, it fell not so, whereas the day had aged so much ere they left the plain of abundance, that it began to dusk before they had gone far, and they must needs stay and await the dawn there. So they dight their lodging as well as they might, and lay down and slept under the thick boughs. Ralph woke about sunrise, and looking up saw a man standing over him, and deemed at first that it would be Richard, or the sage, but as his vision cleared he saw that it was neither of them, but a newcomer, a stout carl clad in russet, with a great staff in his hand, and a short sword girt to his side. Ralph sprang up, still not utterly awake, and cried out, Who art thou, carl? The man laughed, and said, Yea, thou art still the same brisk lad, only filled out to something more warrior-like than of old but it is unmeet to forget old friends. Why dost thou not hail me? Because I know thee not, good fellow, said Ralph. But even as he spoke, he looked into the man's face again and cried out, By St. Nicholas! But it is Roger of the rope-walk. But look, you fellow, if I have somewhat filled out, thou who wast always black-muzzled, art now become as hairy as a woodhouse. What dost thou in the wilds? Said Roger. Did they not tell thee of a hermit new come to these shaws? Yea, said Ralph. I am that holy man, quoth Roger, grinning, not that I am so much of that, either. I have not come hither to pray or fast over much, but to rest my soul and be out of the way of men, for all things have changed since my lady passed away. He looked about and saw Ursula just rising up from the ground and the sage stirring, while Richard yet hugged his bracken bed, snoring. So he said, And who be these, and why hast thou taken to the wild wood? Yea, lad, I see of thee that thou hast gotten another lady, and if mine eyes do not fail me, she is fair enough, but there be others as fair, while the like to our lady that was, there is none such. He fell silent a while, and Ralph turned about to the others, for by this time Richard also was awake, and said, This man is the hermit of whom we were told. Roger said, Yea, I am the hermit and the holy man, and withal I have a thing to hear and a thing to tell. You are best to come with me, all of you, to my house in the woods. A poor one, forsooth, but there is somewhat of victual here, and we can tell and hearken therein well sheltered and at peace. So to horse, fair folk. They would not be bidden twice, but mounted and went along with him, who led them by a thicket path about a mile, till they came to a lawn where through ran a stream, and there was a little house in it, simple enough, of one hall, built with rough tree limbs and reed thatch. He brought them in, and bade them sit on such stools or bundles of stuff as were there. But withal he brought out victual nowise ill, though it were but simple also, of venison of the wildwood, with some little deal of cakes baked on the hearth, and he poured for them also both milk and wine. They were well content with the banquet, and when they were full, Roger said, Now, my lord, like as oft befalleth minstrels, ye have had your wages before your work. Fall to, then, and pay me the scot by telling me all that hath befallen you since, woe worth the while, my lady died. I must needs say for thy sake. All is a big word, said Ralph, but I will tell thee somewhat. Yet I bid thee take note that I and this ancient wise one, and my lady withal, 
deem that I am drawn by my kindred to come to their help, and that time presses. Roger scowled somewhat on Ursula, but he said, Lord and master, let not that fly trouble thy lip, for so I deem of it that whatsoever time ye may lose by falling in with me, ye may gain twice as much by hearkening my tale and the reed that shall go with it. And I do thee to wit that the telling of thy tale shall unfreeze mine. So tarry not, if ye be in haste to be gone, but let thy tongue wag. Ralph smiled, and without more ado told him all that had befallen him, and of Swevenham and Utterbol, and of his captivity and flight, and of the meeting in the wood, and of the sage who there was, and of the journey to the well, and what betid there and since, and of the death of the champion of the dry tree. But when he had made an end, Roger said, there it is, then, as I said when she first spake to me of thee, and bade me bring about that meeting with her, drawing thee first to the burg, and after to the castle of abundance. I have forgotten mostly by what lies. But I said to her that she had set her heart on a man over lucky, that thou wouldst take her luck from her and make it thine. But now I will let all that pass, and will bid thee ask what thou wilt, and I promise thee that I will help thee to come thy ways to thy kindred, that thou mayst put forth thy luck in their behalf." Said Ralph, First of all tell me, what shall I do to pass unhindered through the burg of the four friths? Said Roger, Thou shalt go in at one gate, and out at the other, and none shall hinder thee. Said Ralph, And shall I have any hindrance from them at the dry tree? Roger made as if he were swallowing down something, and answered, Nay, none. And the folk of Higham by the way, and the brethren and their abbot, said Ralph. I know but little of them, quoth Roger. But I deem that they will make a push to have thee for captain, because they have had war on their hands of late, but this shall be at thine own will to say yea or nay to them. But for the rest on this side of the shepherd's country, ye will pass by peaceful folk. Yea, said Ralph, what then hath become of the pride and cruelty of the burg of the four friths, and the eagerness and fierceness of the dry tree? Quoth Roger, this is the tale of it. After the champions of the dry tree had lost their queen and beloved, the Lady of Abundance, they were both restless and fierce, for the days of sorrow hung heavy on their hands. So on a time a great company of them had to do with the burghers, somewhat recklessly, and came to the worse, wherefore some drew back into their fastness of the scour, and the others still rode on, and further west than their wont had been. But warily when they had the wood perilous behind them, for they had learned wisdom again. Thus riding, they had tidings of an host of the burg of the four friths who were resting in a valley hard by with a great train of captives and beasts and other spoil, for they had been raising the fray against the wheat-wearers, and had slain many carles there, and were bringing home to the burg many young women and women-children after their custom. So they of the dry tree advised them of these tidings, and deemed that it would ease the sorrow of their hearts for their lady if they could deal with these sons of whores and make a mark upon the burg, so they lay hid while the daylight lasted, and by night and cloud fell upon these fainants of the burg, and won them good cheap as was like to be, though the burg dwellers were many the more. Whereof a many were slain, but many escaped and got home to the burg, even as will likely happen even in the worst of overthrows, that not all, or even the more part, be slain. Well, there were the champions and their prey, which was very great, and especially of women, of whom the more part were young and fair, for the women of the wheat-wearers be goodly, and these had been picked out by the rutters of the burg for their youth and strength and beauty. And whereas the men of the dry tree were scant of women at home, and sore-hearted because of Our Lady, they forbore not these women, but fell to talking with them and loving them, howbeit in courteous and manly fashion, 
so that the women deemed themselves in heaven and were ready to do anything to please their lovers. So the end of it was that the champions sent messengers to Hampton and the castle of the Scour to tell what had betid, and they themselves took the road to the land of the wheat-wearers, having those women with them not as captives but as free damsels. Now the road to the wheat-wearing country was long, and on the way the damsels told their new men many things of their land and their unhappy wars with them of the burg and the griefs and torments which they endured of them. And this amongst other things, that wherever they came, they slew all the males, even to the sucking babe, but spared the women, even when they bore them not into captivity. Whereof, said these poor damsels, it cometh that our land is ill-furnished of carls, so that we women high and low go afield and do many things, as crafts and the like, which in other lands are done by carls. In sooth it seemed of them that they were both of stouter fashion, and defter than women are wont to be. So the champions, part in jest, part in earnest, bade them do on the armor of the slain burghers, and take their weapons, and fell to teaching them how to handle staff, and sword, and bow, and the women took heart from the valiant countenance of their new lovers, and deemed it all bitter earnest enough, and learned their part speedily, and yet none too soon. For when the fleers of the burg came home, the port lost no time, but sent out another host to follow after the champions and their spoil. For they had learned that those men had not turned about to Hampton after their victory, but had gone on to the wheat-wearers. So it befell that the host of the burg came up with the champions on the eve of a summer day, when there were yet three hours of daylight. But whereas they had looked to have an easy bargain of their foemen, since they knew the champions to be but few, lo, there was the hillside covered with a goodly array of spears and glaives and shining helms. They marvelled, but now for very shame, and because they scarce could help it, they fell on, and before sunset were scattered to the winds again, and the fleers had to bear back the tale that the more part of their foes were women of the wheat-wearers. But this time few were those that came back alive to the burg of the four friths, for the freed captives were hot and eager in the chase, casting aside their shields and hauberks, that they might speed the better, and valuing their lives at naught, if they might but slay a man or two of the tyrants before they died. Thus was the burg wounded with its own sword, but the matter stopped not there, for when that victorious host of men and women came into the land of the wheat-wearers, all men fled away in terror at first, thinking that it was a new onset of the men of the burg, and that all the more as so many of them bore their weapons and armor. But when they found out how matters had gone, then, as ye may deem, was the greatest joy and exultation, and carles and queens both ran to arms, and bade the deliverers learn them all that belonged to war, and said that one thing should not be lacking, to wit the gift of their bodies, that should either lie dead in the fields, or bear about henceforth the souls of free men. Nothing loath, the champions became their doctors and teachers of battle, and a great host was drawn together, and meanwhile the champions had sent messengers again to Hampton, telling them what was befallen, and asking for more men if they might be had. But the burg-abiders were not like to sit down under their foil. Another host they sent against the wheat-wearers, not so huge, as well arrayed and wise in war. The champions espied its goings, and knew well that they had to deal with the best men of the burg, and they met them in likewise, for they chose the very best of the men and the women, and pitched on a place whence they might ward them well, and abode the foemen there, who failed not to come upon them stout and stern and cold, and well-learned in all feats of war. Long and bitter was the battle, and the burghers were fierce without headstrong folly, and the wheat-wearers deemed that if they blenched now they had something worse than death to look to. But in the end, when both sides were grown weary and worn out, 
and yet neither would flee. On a sudden came into the field the help from the dry tree, a valiant company of riders to whom battle was but game and play. Then indeed the men of the burg gave back and drew out of the battle as best they might, yet were they little chased save by the newcomers of the dry tree, for the others were overweary, and moreover the leaders had no mind to let the new-made warriors leave their vantage ground, lest the old and tried men-at-arms of the burg should turn upon them and put them to the worse. Men looked for battle again the next day, but it fell not out so, for the host of the burg saw that there was more to lose than to gain, so they drew back towards their own place. Neither did they waste the land much, for the riders of the dry tree followed hard at heel, and cut off all who tarried or strayed from the main battle. When they were gone, then at last did the wheat-wearers give themselves up to the joy of their deliverance and the pleasure of their new lives, and one of their old men that I have spoken with told me this, that before, when they were little better than the thralls of the burg, and durst scarce raise a hand against the foemen, the carls were but slow to love, and the queens, for all their fairness, cold and but little kind. However, now in the fields of the wheat-wearers themselves all this was changed, and men and maids took to arraying themselves gaily as occasion served, and there was singing and dancing on every green, and straying of couples amongst the greenery of the summer night, and in short the god of love was busy in the land, and made the eyes seem bright, and the lips sweet, and the bosom fair, and the arms sleek, and the feet trim, so that every hour was full of allurement, and ever the nigher that war and peril was, the more delight had man and maid of each other's bodies. Well, within a while the wheat-wearers were grown so full of hope that they bade the men of the dry tree lead them against the burg of the four friths, and the champions were ready thereto, because they wotted well that Hampton, being disgarnished of men, the men of the burg might fall on it, and even if they took it not, they would beset always and make riding a hard matter for their fellowship. So they fell to, wisely and deliberately, and led an host of the best of the carls with them, and bade the women keep their land surely, so that their host was not a great many. But so wisely they led them that they came before the burg well nigh unawares, and though it seemed little likely that they should take so strong a place, yet naught less befell. For the burg dwellers beset with cruelty and bitter anger cried out that now at last they would make an end of this cursed people, and the horse unstrung thieves their friends. So they went out against a great multitude, but in worser order than their wont was. And there befell that marvel which sometimes befalleth even to very valiant men, that now at the pinch all their valour flowed from them, and they fled before the spears had met, and in such evil order that the gates could not be shut, and their foemen entered with them slaying and slaying even as they would, so that in an hour's space the pride and the estate of the burg of the four friths was utterly fallen. Huge was the slaughter, for the wheat-wearers deemed they had many a grief whereof to avenge them. Nor were the men of the dry tree, either sluggards or saints, to be careless of their foemen, or to be merciful in the battle. But at last the murder was stayed, and then the men of the wheat-wearers went from house to house in the town to find the women of their folk who had been made thralls by the burghers. There then was many a joyful meeting betwixt those poor women and the men of their kindred. All was forgotten now of the days of their thraldom, their toil and mocking and stripes, and within certain days all the sort of them came before the host clad in green raiment, and garlanded with flowers for the joy of their deliverance, and great feast was made to them. As for them of the burg, the battle and chase over no more were slain, save that certain of the great ones were made shorter by the head. 
but the champions and the wheat-wearers both said that none of that bitter and cruel folk should abide any longer in the town, so that after a delay long enough for them to provide stuff for their wayfaring, they were all thrust out a gates, rich and poor, old and young, man, woman, and child. Proudly and with a stout countenance they went, for now was their valour come again to them. And it is like that we shall hear of them oft again, for though they had but a few weapons amongst them when they were driven out of their old home, and neither hauberk nor shield nor helm, yet so learned in war be they, and so marvellous great of pride, that they will somehow get them weapons, and even armed but with headless staves and cudgels of the thicket, woe betide the peaceful folk whom they shall first fall on. Yea, fair sir, the day shall come, meseemeth, when folk shall call on thee to lead the hunt after these famished wolves, and when thou dost so, call on me to tell thee tales of their doings, which shall make thine heart hard, and thine hand heavy against them. Meantime, said Ralph, what has betid to the fellowship of the dry tree? For I see that thou hast some grief on thy mind because of them. Roger kept silence a little, and then he said, I grieve because Hampton is no more a strong place of warriors. Two or three carls and a dozen of women dwell now in the halls and chambers of the scout. Here on earth all endeth. God send us to find the world without end. What then, said Ralph, have they then had another great overthrow worse than that other? Nay, said Roger doggedly, it is not so. But where is the fellowship, said Ralph? It is scattered abroad, quoth Roger. For some of the dry tree had no heart to leave the women whom they had wooed in the wheat-wearer's land, and some and a great many have taken their dears to dwell in the burg of the four friths, whereas many of the wheat-wearers have gone to beget children on the old bondwomen of the burgers, of whom there were some two thousand alive after the burg was taken, besides that many women also came with the carls from their own land. So that now a mixed folk are dwelling in the burg, partly of those women thralls, partly of carls and queens come newly from the wheat-wearers, partly of men of our fellowship, the more part of whom are wedded to queens of the wheat-wearers, and partly of men, chapmen, and craftsmen, and others who have drifted into the town, having heard that there is no lack of wealth there, and many fair women unmated. Yea, said Ralph, and is all this so ill? Said Roger, Meseems it is ill enough that there is no longer, rightly said, a fellowship of the dry tree, though the men be alive who are once of that fellowship. Nay, said Ralph, and why should they not make a new fellowship in the burg, whereas they may well be peaceful, since they have come to their above of their foemen? Yea, said Roger slowly, that is sooth, and so is this, that there in the burg they are a strong band, with a captain of their own, and much worshipped of the peaceful folk, and moreover, though they be not cruel to torment helpless folk, or hard to make an end of all joy to-day, lest they lose their joy to-morrow, they now array all men in good order within the burg, so that it shall be no easier for a foeman to win that erst it was. What, man, said Ralph, then be of better cheer, and come thou with us, and maybe the old steel of the champions may look on the sun down in Upmeads. Come thou with me, I say, and show me in my luck to some of thy fellows who are dwelling in the burg, and it may be, when thou hast told my tale to them, that some of them shall be content to leave their beds cold for a while, that they may come help a friend of the well in his need. Roger sat silent as if he were pondering the matter, while Richard and the sage, both of them, took up the word one after the other and urged him to it. At last he said, Well, so be it for this adventure. 
Only I say not that I shall give up this hermitage and my holiness forever. Come thou aside, wise man of Swevenham, and I shall tell thee wherefore. Yea, said Ralph, laughing, and when he hath told thee, tell me not again, for sure I am that he is right to go with us, and belike shall be wrong in his reason therefore. Roger looked a little askance at him, and he went without doors with the sage, and when they were out of earshot, he said to him, Hearken, I would have gone with my lord at the first word, and have been fain thereof, but there is this woman that followeth him. At every turn she shall mind me of our lady that was, and I shall loathe her and her fairness in the allurements of her body, because I see of her that she it is that hath gotten my lady's luck, and that but for her my lady might yet have been alive. Said the sage, Well, quoth my lord, that thou wouldst give me a fool's reason. What dost not thou know, thou that knowest so much of the Lady of Abundance, that she it was who ordained this Ursula to be Ralph's bedmate, when she herself should be gone from him, were she dead or alive, and that she also should be a friend of the well, so that he might not lack a fellow his life long? But this thou sayest not knowing the mind of Our Lady, and how she loved him in her inmost heart. Roger hung his head and spake not for a while, and then he said, well, wise man, I have said that I will go on this adventure, and I will smooth my tongue for this while at least, and for what may come hereafter, let it be. And now we are best get to horse, for what with meat and minstrelsy, we have worn away the day till it wants but a little of noon. Go tell thy lord that I am ready. Farewell peace, and welcome war and grudging. So the sage went within, and came out with the others, and they mounted their horses anon, and Roger went ahead on foot, and led them through the thicket ways without fumbling, and they lay down that night on the farther side of the swelling flood. End of chapter 17